Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like this year's winter meetings, is completely full of shit. My name's Nate <laughs> Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Vince Morka. Damn it. Right before you said that joke, you said you had a good one, and I didn't think I was going to laugh, but I laughed, and I'm mad about that. So good job. Thank you. for the opening bit tweet us at talk about birds you know hambone sometimes uh cosmic the cosmos align and mm. you know something good does happen and wow. uh half the owners and and gms all getting norovirus or whatever and and basically um ruining the winter meetings is hilarious <laughs> it's so gross I know. <laughs> I wished we didn't know it was the norovirus. They didn't need to tell us. Yeah, they didn't need to tell us all of that. I, I saw a John Heyman tweet that was talking about how he dodged the norovirus bullet because he was eating it in and out every night. And I'm like, I think you understand how this works, my friend. Like, <laughs> it's highly contagious. What? what but uh, yeah, there's there's something about the mental image of us knowing that all of the highest ranking members of this industry are in a fancy ass hotel and it was at Scottsdale or Phoenix and yeah. just yeah. shitting their brains out. I, <laughs> I, I just don't want to know that. And, um, I do, that's, I know that now that's the news we needed this off season to really kick <laughs> off. It's really going to kick off the most important off season, uh, at, you know, in our lives, uh, bunch of Ivy the, league nerds, yeah, not able to leave their hotel room. <laughs> Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty funny, like, and, and, and impactful too. They, they canceled the rest of they the winter. Canceled it. Yes. They canceled it. Shut it down. Everyone Shut go it down. home. This, we cannot recover from this. We MLB reacted <laughs> quicker to the norovirus <laughs> outbreak than they did COVID. They had a better plan. Yep. Handled it quickly. Um, a, a smarter, better reaction it, than pretty much anything they've done ever. That's true. It's, I do think it is because of the visualization, right? You're, you're mm -hmm. immediately what's put in front of you. What's put in your head when you hear about this, you're like, yeah, these guys got to go home. We're done. This is over. Well, and most of these people are, you know, geriatric. So it's not, <laughs> it's not just, it's not just like, a you know a, a bit of discomfort and and some horribleness it's like life-threatening for some yeah. of these people they're they're holding on to the ada compliant bar in the public restroom <laughs> fighting for their lives this is their lung shitting out their lungs you know <laughs> so disgusting this is not that kind of show Nate. it's not this kind of show this is not no we keep it's it clean but yeah. you know th this and the Tommy Pham slap is definitely going pretty high up on my list of favorite things to for us to get to talk about. <laughs> Two best stories of the year of the, of the podcast for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's when we win, a, when yeah. we win a potty someday, uh, the podcast award, of course. Uh huh. This uh -huh. is not not what was destroyed from this norovirus outbreak. No, there's no, nothing should be awarded for that. But our our um delicate coverage of the situation uh -huh. i think yeah we'll be i important. think we've 
we've handled this with a respectful tone. <laughs> um, you know, this is what you get. This is what you get when you go into the depths of uh, Cardinals podcasts. Is you know, we can have these sorts of real conversations, right? We're not afraid. No, we're not afraid. <laughs> Chris, yeah, that's that's filthy. Uh, Nate, it's awards week. How do you feel about that? Uh, good. Um, you know, it's it's always interesting. I like the awards. I like awards. It's fine. <laughs> hey, Nate. Yeah, I'd like to award you something Uh oh best podcast co-host oh thanks hambone that was nice that was nice um you're definitely top four for me that's so fucked up (laughs) i'm nice (laughs) i'm here uh that's true you're my number one co-host that i'm co-hosting with right now that i can't i, I have to go be. check out the short game for the people <laughs> nate actually likes no that's very sweet of you hambone um i'm glad that we that was good show. yeah whatever. it is good um but yeah i like the awards i think that like you know there's a lot of hand wringing around it and uh around like oh you know what stat is more valuable than the other ones but i, I kind of like those conversations you know i like the like mookie bets versus ronald acuña argument and and like getting into it and and generally speaking i feel like the awards have been pretty good for a little while now you know we're not seeing as many uh like random as you know the fourth best fourth or fifth best person winning it because of some crazy narrative thing i think like yeah generally speaking the people who've won it for a while now have like really made a lot of sense and you know you, you're kind of picking your flavor like when you know miggy wins over like a mic track right. or something like that but like like i i like them i think it's fun it, it, there was definitely this flavor of riding for a while of like i'm going to make a vote that is a little out of left field so that I can then write an article and then a reaction article Mm -hmm. to my article. Like they're just kind of like farming for content. And yeah, I think it's been like, it's been like flattened out a little bit. It's also funny to me that like, like the rookie of the year thing um, was so broadcasted from like before a game was even played this year. I think we just have, we just understand players a lot better now, but yeah, like I think good money was on Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson winning the rookie of the year, the two best prospects in baseball. And they come <laughs> yeah. in, they play the whole year and they win the rookie of the year in their respective leagues. It's just uh, like, I think we just are smarter and uh, just understand the youngsters and understand the game like more intimately yeah. more more in depth. It's, it's kind of fun. Well, and, and something that you've said too, is that I think like we're getting better at, at predicting the growth of younger players yeah obviously you never know like jordan walker i think had a fantastic rookie season but there were a lot of people who were projecting him to like compete with corbin carroll right and it and it really didn't happen but also we had a a month of corbin carroll in 2022 before this year that helped kind of understand yeah so and same with gunner they both were september call-ups and then exploded in 2023 Maybe this is something that we should look into during our off-season episodes, but I, I anecdotally feel like the like number one, two, and three overall draft pick over the past, I don't know, 10 years is a lot more valuable than it was 10 years prior to that and 10 years prior to that. Like the value of those upper echelon, hyper, you know, in-depth scouted players mm-hmm. that are going to be picked at the top of the draft seems to 
just be more accurate, uh, like almost immediately. Like as soon as Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz uh, touched a uh, professional baseball field, we're like, okay, these are some of the best players in the minor leagues. Um, Yeah. It just seems to be happening. We just know them better. Man, the 2023 draft class, like Wyatt Langford, um, uh, Walter Jenkins, like, I think we're going to be seeing some of these guys uh, soon and for a long time. It looks yeah. like that was a, a really good draft class. Hopefully, uh, for the Cardinals' sake, the 2024 class, there's a few. Uh, you know, We're finally somewhere in the top. We don't know exactly where yet. You they know, really I'm, cannot screw it up. Like Randy Flores has to ace this test that's coming up. Yeah, yeah. If anything can good can come from this is, one, the uh, – hopefully well executed off season plan that we've found ourselves in a corner because, you know, because of this year and, uh, and the, and the draft pick, like right. those are the, like the two things that we hopefully can look back and say, 2023 kind of had to happen. Uh, and it was responded to appropriately. And now we have X, Y, Z guy because of the draft. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, are there, I guess like the, to your point, the, the awards this year, maybe it's just because there were some like outstanding performances too. Like, I think we kind of already know who's going to win basically everything except for maybe NL MVP, because I do think there's still some, like it seems up uh, like up in the air to me still between who's going to win between Acuna and, uh, and bets. But yeah, like everything else seems pretty obvious. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think there was like with the manager manager of the year, there was a little bit of chatter that Bruce Bochy might get it. But I think Brandon yeah. Hyde makes all the sense, especially with like how dominant that team was in sections of the summer and the amount of money that Bruce kind of had to, to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would like if I were to place a bet on NL MVP right now, like if I actually wanted to make money, not make my little point and try to be right in my own way, I would probably put money on Acuna and yeah. uh, I would, I would be surprised if it's not him. Um, but yeah, Man. yeah. Kind of a little boring, but also like the best player should win a- yeah. and the guy with the best performance should win. And that's, um, it doesn't need to be controversial and, and, you know, quote unquote interesting every time. And a, a take doesn't need to be shoved down our throats <laughs> during award season. Man, I was reading the and other I would day never about, do that. Um, no, of course not. I, I forget his name. I'll see if I can find it real quick. But I was reading it the other day about the guy, the relief pitcher who won the Cy Young and the MVP in 1984. Uh, uh, oh, I, didn't Eric Gagne win a Cy Young? But he did not win. Well, the yeah, MVP. but that was that was you know m- more recent. Um, yeah, 1984. Uh, Willie Hernandez in 1984. For our listeners who were not around then, Willie Hernandez relief pitcher he won both the mvp and the cy young that's uh i don't think i knew that and that is stupid well it was from my understanding um and if we have any listeners out here out there that uh have more contemporary knowledge of this um you know definitely interested to hear it uh he it it is interesting to know he as a relief pitcher he threw 140 innings Right. Um, and so he was all over the place, you know, like s- there have been Cy Young winners as starters who have not thrown that much more than that in one. And as a relief pitcher, it was like saves were relatively new and he was coming in and throwing multiple innings and racking up this stat save. And it was like a big narrative thing that like you bring this guy in and you win the game, you know? Sure. And uh, they didn't really have much data beyond your sort of back of the baseball card stuff, but everybody loved him. And it was like, 
you know, it seems almost like uh, imagine if you had Andrew Miller uh, in the 2016 playoffs, like the hype that was around him. Yeah. Uh, but you had that for like an entire season. Yeah, I guess I get it. And, you know, that, that's just funny in, in 1984 and whatever. But I'm just looking quickly through these uh, stats. I'm like Dave Steeb through 267 innings of 283 baseball uh, with yeah. jobs of strikeouts and, and all the other things, too. But it, it is funny how. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah, that, yeah. That's I mean, very I'm not, silly. today now, well, that this guy wouldn't even exist in today's game. No, um, no he'd be and, a starter. Yeah. And you could and I'm sure that there's a, a hand, a ton of dudes that like uh, were more valuable than him, you know. Um, but this is kind of what, what we're saying is that, like the awards are just better now. They're smarter now. Yeah. And the Tigers won the World Series that year. I did not know that the Tigers won in, in 1984. So uh, obviously the voting, I believe the voting still happened before the playoffs started back then. I don't know that to be 100 percent true or not. Um, obviously, he, he made his made his mark. Good for yeah. good for you, Willie Hernandez. The um the biggest thing that I'm looking for in the uh in the voting coming out though here shortly is uh, I don't think I've talked about this on the show but I have a standing bet with friend of the show Brandon what's up Brandon um that at the beginning of the season I bet that Kyle Schwarber would not receive any NL MVP votes hmm. and um, he got a few last year because he led the league in home runs yeah and I was like that's not going to happen again and he's not going to get any votes this year so I have like a small dollar bet with Brandon that he gets zero NL MVP votes. And we find out, I think it's tomorrow, maybe Friday. Uh, and I don't think he deserves any, but I am, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> I certain. I think he's going to get like one fucking 10th yeah. place vote from a Philly beat writer. And it's going to piss me off and cost me $5. But you know, it, there's nothing about him that deserves an MVP other than he was second in the NL in home runs. Uh, he also posted the high, uh, highest walk rate of his career. He somehow got on base career. at 343 while hitting yeah. 197 for <laughs> yeah. an above average WRC plus. He is you are going to lose that bet. You think yeah, because he got 47 home runs. Also, because of the Phillies narrative, he, you know, he held that team together. No, Harper did all that. Harper no, is no, the no, one no, who no. should people, drain the But people are going to say that Schwarber held that team together before Harper came back from his mm -hmm. injury. And while Trey Turner was just shit in the bed uh, for the first uh -huh. three months of the season, um, there's a, I, and I think you're right. It's going to be a, a guy with a, a cheese whiz running down his mouth and a, <laughs> a sandwich in one hand. And he's going to give, he's going to throw Schwarber something. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I, 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 I am anticipating it for yeah. sure. He's going to get, a 10th or ninth place vote from a Phillies beat writer is going to be one vote, maybe two. And I'm going to lose this bet. But my point that he does not deserve an MVP vote. Oh, you're correct. You are correct. <laughs> Schwarber was actually, I think like this is, um, what is this? This is, I mean, it's the worst version of a baseball player. He can't do anything <laughs> except for, Chicks dig the long ball, my Chicks dear boy. The long so ball. Yeah. He's got, you know, he hits dingers. It it's just amazing that somebody who had 720 plate appearances put up a 1.4 uh wins above replacement. Like <laughs> he did he was there for every day working yeah. his little little butt off and basically did nothing as far as production for his team.
Yeah, and you know, wins above replacement level. So zero is replacement level. Right. But MLB average, because most teams are trying to field better than replacement level players. Right. MLB average usually sits around two, one and a half to two. Matthew so, Liberator did most of that in one start. One, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 1.4 war over a full season is actually below average still yeah it's a it's a net gain over a replacement level player but how much right. is schwarber being paid you know it's yeah 25 it's million not, i think yeah it's not a good return like no. he is not a valuable player and um, honestly it's not even schwarber's fault he guy shouldn't be playing left field he's yeah. a terrible outfielder yeah he i mean he is what he is the phillies are the ones that you know they're choosing and there is obviously intrinsic value of 47 home runs but the the like net value of a Schwarber on your team playing left field. It's obviously it's it's barely yeah. above. It's barely worth it if if it's worth it at all. But he seems like a cool guy and you sure love the <laughs> the the Schwar bombs, you know what I mean? Oh, like, absolutely. Like I like him. He seems fun. He he picks the rally song for the Phillies every year, yeah. which I think, you know, what's what's that? That's probably a couple of wins right there. Oh, for sure. Um, what was theirs this year? Cause it made me like them more. Um, I, I know it was Robin dancing on my own last that's year. That's what it was. Yeah. No, it was this. That's what it was this year. That's what it was last year. So if that's true, they, they carried it over two years. I think they carried it over because I love that song. And they, I saw during one of the playoffs game playoff games, they, if it's not, if it wasn't their specific rally song for this year, they were definitely doing it during one of the playoff games this yeah. year, either, calling back to last year or trying to carry it forward and seeing like 45,000 people singing Robin's dancing <laughs> on my own was incredible. Do you think European dance pop superstar Robin knows who Kyle Schwarber is? <laughs> no, that reminds me of a great article I read one time that was, does the queen know who Mario is? And <laughs> it was, it was awesome. I definitely recommend you all Google it. Like this person takes a scientific approach at trying to guess if the queen knows who Mario is. And uh, like, I, I won't spoil the conclusion for you, but it's, yeah. it's very, very funny. And no, I bet Robin has no idea who Carl, Carl, <laughs> Carl Schwarber. <laughs> He's more of a Carl than a good He Kyle. is more of a Carl. Get out yeah. of here, Carl Schwarber. Probably his dad's name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we talk about actual uh, Cardinal news now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have actually a yeah. full. Uh, we got to talk. We got a whole outline we have to go through. Yeah. Um, well, we we failed to mention last week a, uh, a, a transaction that had happened during last week's sort of coverage period. Um, so we're so sorry, first of all, <laughs> um, but we're going to make up for it. Uh, now, so the Cardinals um, acquired Riley O'Brien, a relief yeah. pitcher. Wow, yeah. Um, what do you think about the the Riley O'Brien ad? Wow, one hell of a guy. I'll tell you that uh, he is a. Uh, he'll be twenty nine in the season of twenty twenty four. He's been with Seattle for a little bit. Cincinnati, Tampa Bay Rays. That's where he was drafted. Uh, he has now been converted into a reliever. Um, and he's had an uptick in strikeouts recently and, uh, it's really fastball breaking ball and he's kind of a ground ball King. Um, his fastball sits in the low nineties. 
Uh, and he threw up some pretty impressive numbers with Seattle uh, in, in AAA last year. He only got a cup of coffee with the big league team. Uh, but this is a uh, a depth piece. I, I yeah. This is the kind of guy that is probably going to get, um, I don't know, like nine innings in August uh, because somebody is hurt or needs a break or something like that. And maybe he'll have a hot month and, and stick around for a little bit longer. But uh, like I said, he, he's fastball, curveball. Uh, there's not much to either of it. And, and uh, I think I already said this, but he's a good ground, ground ball guy. So, uh, yeah, you know. He's a guy. Um, that's for sure. They did it. Solve the bullpen. No, I mean, <laughs> th- th- I think it's a fine move, right? It's this is we've lobbied for the Cardinals to, you know, do what a lot of the modern teams are doing when when building a bullpen is just like grabbing scraps from other teams that aren't working for whatever reason or, or have shown a flash, but they have an opportunity to grab and just get them out there and see what you've got and rotate till you find the right combo. And, you know, is this guy going to be a big part of the bullpen? Probably not. Just odds are, but it's another arm. Give it a shot. Um, Steamer projections are out. We're probably going to do a deeper dive into those next week, but it is a useful tool as we just sort of start to frame what the Cardinals in 2024 could look like. And um, Steamer projects him at uh, 52 innings pitched uh, with a low fours ERA and FIP. And so... You know, not not uh, necessarily controlling your bullpen, probably not your eighth inning guy, ninth inning guy, but there's some value there. 50 innings at a low four ERA, you know, you maybe see him as a uh, a seventh inning guy or, um, you know, throwing in some innings if your starter has to leave early or something. So, yeah. you know, you need a lot of these guys usually to get through a full season. Yeah, you know, I'm looking, trying to dive into his Savant page just to find something that's maybe a little interesting about him he has his cutter so it's a he throws a cutter primarily not just a straight fastball and his cutter's got pretty high spin on it um which i'm sure is what leads to ground balls and yeah. weak contact um so maybe if he can amp up that spin a little bit more and the cardinals can click him into something maybe that you know I, i'm still not going to you know stop the presses about a 92 mile an hour cutter even if it does have decent spin um but there might be something there. So uh, let's pay attention to that, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably a yeah. tough at bat for a right hander, you know, yeah. a cutter coming yeah. in on you. So could be there's could that. Be good. Um, so with that and uh, the uh, Buddy Kennedy move and um, who else was it last week? Uh, that concludes the 2024 offseason. I think John Mazalek has done a great job. Um, I'm looking down forward. King. Yep. You, you did well. You so. did it. Yep. Thanks everyone for listening and, uh, we'll see you in March. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there was actually, uh, a fair bit of other transactions as we approach various off season deadlines. Um, and so the rule five draft is coming up and the Cardinals had to make some decisions on who to protect and who to leave exposed through the uh, the rule five. So we saw a handful of people added to the 40 man, which yeah, um, we didn't cover a lot uh, leading up to this. Um, but, you know, there were some interesting decisions that Mazalak and crew had to make on who to protect from the upcoming rule five draft. Um, so you want to run through who was added to the 40 man? 
Yeah, so they protected Adam Klofenstein, who I thought, uh, if, if you want to go back and, and learn more about him, uh, the episode that we had Kyle on uh, a few weeks back really broke down what he brings to the table. Big, long-levered guy, throws hard, probably has more in the tank. I, I think it's pretty clear that the Cardinals traded actively traded for him, and there's something that they really like there, so it mm-hmm. makes sense to get him. Uh, Sim Reberse, I think I'm saying that right. I really cannot remember how to say that last name properly. Um, but this, you know, I'm going to go back to our Kyle conversation. Uh, I think there's a lot to like here. This guy has, you know, uh, number three, number four starter written all over him. He's going to marinate in the minors for a while, but this, this guy, uh, I think pitchability was the mm-hmm. word that we kept using. Um, and, uh, Pedro Pajes, uh, who has done everything that you want out of a, a minor league catcher, just the, the defensive strides that he's making, he ticked up on offense a little bit. Um, this is a guy who I wouldn't be surprised if he is, I, I don't, I don't say he's necessarily going to win it, but would be in conversation for the backup catching role just with his defensive prowess. And like, I'm I'm not trying to pick on Kenzer out of nowhere. I'm not just coming out of left field and punching him in the face, but like, that's the thing that the Cardinal, like the backup catcher should have a tool. Um, and I think a <laughs> defensive tool would be the best one for that person to have. Um, so I <laughs> think that just, way. I'm not trying to make fun of Andrew Kisner. I just don't think he's good at anything. Um, <laughs> is what you just did. Um, and that's yeah, how well, I feel. I'll say, you know, generally speaking, when I'm thinking of like my dream roster construction, I've got a 40 man roster. What do I want on there? I definitely yeah, 40 need, dudes. I need 10% of that at least to be catchers. That's yeah. my baseline. I need four right. catchers right out of the gates. Uh, so I'm glad the Cardinals have achieved that. Yeah. We're right now, 10% catchers. That's great. <laughs> Let's get and, uh, Cooks in there. Let's, <laughs> don't forget that our, our largest investment over the past hand, uh, 10 years plus or whatever has been is a, on a uh, starting catcher as well. Is a yeah. catcher. Yeah. Neither and we're trying to get a catcher in as a coach too. We just got, we need more catchers. There's not enough of them. Uh, we need as many as possible. Let's get Matheny well, back in here too. I bet he can still pick it back there. He, he <laughs> he's available. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the rule five, it's a complicated thing because you're not necessarily saying like, I want this guy to be playing at the major leagues right now, but he clearly has enough value that someone else will take him. And so we just need him. We want him in the Cardinal organization, even if there's not necessarily a spot right. for him right now, or even in the, in the near future, I mean, he's third or fourth on the depth chart at, at best uh, for catchers. Although yeah. you're right, the the um, he does have a, a a marketable skill. There's a reason why he was projected or protected. The Cardinals reasonably believe some other team would take him. Well, and so we'll I, I see. think that's all, all three of these players, right? Klaffenstein and Robertsay could fit into the uh A's or Angels yeah. or Rockies bullpen tomorrow, right? And the same thing with Pajes is that he could be the backup catcher for a, a myriad of teams. And that's a player mm-hmm. that you can kind of hide on the roster, uh especially if he's good defensively. So yeah, I think all three smart moves. Um I'm not expecting uh like quick upward growth for any of them. Maybe Pajes would be the only uh uh, 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 uh the only possibility outside of that. But uh yeah, it makes sense. And um you got to hold on to your uh, hold on to your nuggets. Don't let other yeah. people get your nugs. Hold on to your nuggets. This is also how you end up with a 40 man that has like 
there's always those like three, four guys that are on the outskirts of your 40 man. That's just like, how did they get here? At, yeah. You know, like how, how do, why are they on their 40 man? And it's because of this process where like they look good at one point, but they've spent enough time in the minors that they're now eligible for rule five. So you're like, I don't want to lose them, but we, they might not be anything also. Right. So you're just protecting them. And then eventually they become hopefully successful big league players for you, or they become Connor Thomas, who was uh, just gendered. Yep. Yeah. Connor Thomas uh, has been DFA'd. Uh, we shall see what happens there. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he comes back into the fold. Um, yeah. You know, this guy that had a nice, uh, a nice season in AAA. Um, he had a nice AFL, but uh, I just don't think he's that guy from from what I've seen. Um, which <laughs> means yeah. he'll probably be in AAA this year. Uh, yeah, just be a depth piece. Uh, but uh, hey, people like that cutter. Maybe something will happen. Um, Packy Naughton was outrighted to AAA. Uh, Packy uh, so hey. he'll, I, I expect him to be into the mix a little bit too. He'll, he'll get big league innings. I don't know what that'll look like exactly. Um, in disappointing news, uh, our buddy friend of the show, Wilking Rodriguez, uh, has elected free agency after the right-hander, uh, was outrated, outrighted to triple a. So, yeah. um, actually would not be surprised for the Cardinals to bring him back in. Um, yeah. I, but I bet he will have many suitors. Uh, the Yankees might try to resign him. I think, you know, he's a, big, strong guy that throws really hard and has a nasty breaking ball. I'm sure that there will be many suitors for him who wants well, to take the gamble. So he was a, he was a, a rule five selection from the Yankees, right? So from my understanding, they first had to offer him back to the Yankees of which they declined. Oh, and I missed then, that. Okay. Yeah. And so now he, and then he's, he was designated for assignment, which then he refused assignment and is now a free agent. So there you go. Um, I mean, that, that doesn't mean the Yankees wouldn't necessarily try to resign him. Um, I don't know the terms of the contract that he had in the first place, so maybe they could get him again for cheaper. But the Yankees did have an opportunity to just have him back from the Rule 5. And they said, no, thanks. They said, we're good, um, which, you know, doesn't really bode well uh, for Vilking and the perception of him. Um, I know we were both pretty high on him, but if the Yankees are like, no, we don't want him, like, I don't know. Not that they're necessarily known for their great decision making right now, but like, uh, you know. Cashman's just on one right now. So he might just be, you know, <laughs> this might just be part of his revenge tour. I don't, I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah. Um, if I don't know if you had this on the outline for later, but uh, ripping Giancarlo publicly. Yeah. Uh, being injured is part of his game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out uh, to uh, my buddy uh, and, and listener, Dylan, who uh, he shot me that tweet. It was early the other morning and I, I woke up with a, a belly laugh, just like, oh, shit. Like he is not holding yeah. back on his no. $30 million a year player. But also yeah. like Giancarlo, my guy, you. uh you know, you've earned this. This this is you. Well, you he are does that get guy. hurt every year. Yeah. You just don't expect you don't you're not used to the manager, the GM saying that. Right. Yeah. Like he's correct. Right. Like yes. we all know that. <laughs> um, but you usually look for, you usually look for a little more uh like support and optimism from your from your general manager. So you he's you definitely do. being a being a little cranky that day, I guess. Being a little cranky. I also don't like when you're trading for Giancarlo Stanton, it's not a crazy thing to like 
uh, what am I trying to say? Predicting his injury history, like I wouldn't say it was the most obvious thing in the world, but when you got a big guy like that who like already can't play in the outfield, like I don't yeah. know. It's what what do you think was going to happen? Like I I won't be surprised. I don't want this to happen, but the same thing is coming for Aaron Judge. I just feel it. Um, like yeah. he is going to be relegated to a DH, uh, and people are going to complain about paying a DH whatever 40 million bucks a year or however much he's making and yeah but that these big guys re- they it's hard you remember stanton was almost a cardinal right we'd be dealing do. with this right now he turned it down he rejected the the trade so like the cardinals were were had a package in in waiting for Giancarlo stanton and that's how we ended up with ozuna instead of stanton and uh yeah I don't, it, I, i'm assuming hard. the package for stanton was similar yeah, it's hard to imagine that the injury history would be the same if he had come to the Cardinals. Like something would have been different. Um, but yeah, I think he'd be disappointed either way. That's it's just such yeah. a long contract, and he is so um not available. Yeah. It's funny, we've given you know, we and everyone have given the Cardinals a ton of shit for like never doing these massive contracts. Um and the ones that they almost have done all would have immediately been the worst. So I'm well, not sure because it was David Bryce, Jason Hayward and Giancarlo Stanton are like the yeah. three that I can really think of that. They like we were in the bidding or had a deal in place or whatever. And it, and it didn't happen and they got a ton of shit for it. And all of those have worked out good for the Cardinals. Um, Aaron, that, that obviously is, they acquired a big one, but that is true. But also like Max Scherzer could have been a Cardinal. True. Bryce Harper could have been a Cardinal. Those would have looked good. It is so easy for the Cardinal. Like it is so easy to do nothing because the risk is so low Yeah, and doing something. There is inherent risk because you're doing something. And uh, I understand what you're saying, but I still think Cardinals fans have every right to be like, Oh, for sure. I'm not something. I'm not on the side of it. You know, it's just, it's interesting because it it almost makes it worse. It's like, Oh man, the few times that they were willing to go outside of their comfort zone, we're bad, you yeah. know, so it's not well, a good look either. It's not. And that then you like point the finger back at their player evaluation skills. And right. like, you know, let's talk about Aaron Nola. Like if the Cardinals go and offer Aaron Nola 150, 180 million, whatever it ends up being like, let's be happy that they tried something. I think that that will probably age well. I think Aaron Nola is good, but you're putting yourself out there and there is risk. So you're doing yeah. like that. There's a possibility, but I th- still think like you have to judge those moves when they happen um, and, you know, do your best work and maybe right. evaluate your players a little bit better. Like they should have gotten Scherzer. They should have gotten Harper, but they didn't. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. yeah. Both of those. They they were never really in on Harper. That was never really. Don't discussed. you remember Harper on Instagram Live with Nelly? It was yes. close, Nate. It was gonna I, happen. Nelly was getting that deal done, dude. We need Cornell out there. Get him out there with uh, with now. Get him out there to uh, to Japan. Hang out with the Arenado brothers and yes. the Bar. You know, we we need Yamamoto coming at a discount because he wants to hang out with Nelly. We need. <laughs> uh, Imamaga here. Yeah. There's no discount. Talking about people who know people, there's no way that Yoshi uh, Yamamoto knows who Nelly is. I'm going to say that (laughs) right now. I don't know. Nelly, I mean, Nelly is a global superstar. Okay. One of the best, one of the highest selling albums of all time. Okay. Uh, Ian Bedell (laughs) uh, is the only eligible player now available to rival clubs in uh, the Rule 5 draft. And I think he's going to get picked up. 
uh, I would pick him up if I was a uh, if I was the Rockies, if I was the A's, if I was one of these bottom barrel teams, I would go get Ian Bedell and I would put him in my bullpen today. Yeah. Yeah, it's a risk. Um, it's a little surprising that they did not uh, protect him. However, counterpoint, he has pitched like 20 total innings uh, in professional baseball right. um, over the past several years. So like, you know, there's uh, there's some real concern about his ability to even make the majors stay healthy. He's 24 years old, like. If you're going to gamble on someone not getting picked, this guy makes way more sense than uh, the other ones that were protected. And we know they need room on the 40 man for a whole slew of things that are going to be coming up. And so, you know, we'll see. Makes sense. Yeah. I I, I, I think you're probably right. I, I suspect he gets grabbed, but um, it, it's a big risk. Whatever team wants to carry this guy on their major league roster for the full year, like, who you know you really don't know what you're getting it's right there's a lot of upside yeah yeah um i kind of yeah it'll be sad we'll see what happens um this could be like a perdomo thing that happened with the padres a couple of years ago where he just kind of they force it to work but just kind of on the ian bedell train i was really hoping to watch him uh but we'll see maybe I, i i'm reacting uh for no reason yeah um yeah we'll see i'm looking at I guess he pitched a few more. He did okay, and he pitched more innings this year. Yeah. But leading up to this year, he had pitched like he just was not staying healthy. No, so. I, I just I think he's going to be good. It might not be until he's 30 um, and yeah. healthy, but he's going to be good at some point. I just have this, yeah. this feeling in my bones. Well, I guess I hope you're right and also wrong right now, though, where... No one, well no one said. else. No, you know, more context <laughs> needed as yep. well said, mm-hmm. clear and concise. Yep. Uh, so there's still time for more movement. Um, we still don't know the outcomes of the, uh, the fringes fringes of the roster and some, some non tender candidates. So we'll, uh, we'll find out soon. Is Dak Hudson going to be a part of the team? Jake Woodford, et cetera. Um, well, Time will still tell. What is the what is the outcome of well, ultimately Isner? we need more arms. Well, so we well, just thought it wasn't prudent um with our uh, model to let go of a uh Dak HUD at this time. Ultimately. Yeah, and and um you know when you when you really look at the league and, and the balance of the league, you just you really need catchers, you know? <laughs> you just need a lot of catchers. <laughs> so we've promoted uh, Jimmy Brooks and we've acquired Christian Vasquez. And uh, catchers all the way down. Catchers all the way down. Don't tease mm-hmm. me. I would love Christian Vaz- Vasquez on this team, but he is signed by the Twins, who are a playoff team. Mm, yeah. So every, uh, I guess every player is technically a catcher. <laughs> Unless you're DH, maybe. Dumbest thing you've said today. <laughs> <laughs> technically, I'm a catcher, Nate. I've caught a ball before. If that's Yay, your me too. Hey. Stupid boy. Uh, it, it seems we, I ran a poll on, uh, on the internet and everybody <laughs> seems to be thinking that Kisner is going to stay with the team. Yeah, so. of course that's easy yeah. money, you know, but yeah. it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't need to retread this. It, it, it shouldn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. All right. There are well, better players for free. Yeah. 
Uh, well, let's talk about some better players that are not for free. Um, there's There's been some continued rumors and reporting around basically every single starting pitcher that's on the market because yeah. the Cardinals are casting a wide net. We're hearing words like wide net and volume and things like that. <laughs> so um, I think we're, we're expecting probably one really good pitcher acquisition at least, but likely at least one from sort of the, the bargain heap, you know, right. the bargain pile, um, the five below of pitchers. Um, and I know you wanted to run through a few of those, although um, the first one, Marcus Stroman, probably I wouldn't qualify as bargain pile. No, um, not, but yeah, not let's, a bargain let's talk guy. about some of these. Yeah, not a bargain guy, but I did think it was interesting to talk about because I feel like a hand a couple of years ago before he went to the Cubs, there was a lot of chatter. I think rumors connecting the Cardinals to him. I think baseball Twitter really wanted the Cardinals to sign him. The ground ball uh, uh, mania that he provides with the Cardinals defense, assuming it mm-hmm. getting back to health next year. Like, is, is there still a matchup there? Is this a guy that you want? I kind of my kind of two cents on this is that. The Cardinals need swing and miss. He's going to cost probably $20 million a year, something around that, maybe more. And I would much rather the Cardinals go bet on somebody who maybe has less of a track record of low ERA and more of a, an ability to get the strikeout um, mm-hmm. for that price point. So that's that's my kind of two cents on Marcus Stroman. I don't think he fits the team and what the Cardinals should be aiming at this offseason. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I feel like if you if you're if you have fallen to the point where you're spending 20 million plus for Marcus Stroman, then you probably missed some good deals that were not that much more right. for a player that's going to fit better into the the mold that you're looking for. Um, yeah, I think there was I, a lot of hype too. Marcus Stroman is a character. He's outgoing and and some of that hype back then too was also like imagine him and Jack Flaherty on the same team. You know, and there was like some some hopeful sort of hype around that, yeah. Too, um, but obviously that's not going to happen for a number of reasons. No, those those guys might both be Dodgers here in about three months. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. I uh, I I had like a, a fever dream about Jack Flaherty becoming a Dodger, throwing away his slider, leaning on the curveball, and and throwing up like a hundred and fifty innings of like. Of two nine ERA and it looking yeah. great, um, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. Two other names on this list that I wanted to talk about: um, one from Japan and one from Korea. Uh, Kenta Maeda, who was a free agent for the first time in his career, and Hunjin Ryu. Um, and I'll say I like both of these guys as options. I think Kenta Maeda has a little more swing and miss uh, in his game, and he's you know kind of shown this ability to bounce back and forth in between starting. And uh, and being in the bullpen, I think the flexibility is really interesting. Um, but I'll tell you, I think that Hunjin Ryu might be a diamond in the rough. He, I think mm-hmm. that, by that, I mean, I don't think he's going to come in and strike out the world. That's never really been a part of his game, but he does not walk people. He's had injury issues for a while. He could come in for a very low dollar amount on likely a one year contract or a one year with an option or something like that. And this is a guy who I think could play in Bush Stadium and put up a sub three ERA for 10 million bucks, 12 million bucks, something like that. One year, like I said, maybe two. Somebody who I think the Cardinals should really consider. And there's a gamble 
Guy hasn't been mm-hmm. healthy, but I, I think a really interesting name out there that people uh, I just haven't seen a lot of chatter about yet. Yeah, well, and a lot of reasons you haven't seen much chatter is that he his best year was in 2019, or at least his best most recent year was in 2019, in which he was really, really good. Then he was also good in 2020, but you know, 2020, it's a super small sample size. And then in 2021, he had a pretty good year, low four ERA, low four uh, FIP, uh, 169 innings. Nice. And then the wheels kind of fell off at 2022. He only threw 27 innings, 2023. He threw 52 all starting to that ERA, that FIP all starting to creep up and he is 37 years old. So, you know, you're right in that, like, it's not that long ago that he was good and he had a pretty good career leading up to this last few years too. Um, you know, he had some, some surprisingly great years there with Toronto. Um, but, uh, it is, it is a big risk. I'd be surprised if it would cost 10 million to bring him in even at this point. Um, I think you could probably do it for lower and I would probably want it to be lower to justify it. If, if we're operating under a idea of the Cardinals are probably going to spend somewhere around 50 million this off season, I'm, I'm, I have a hard time justifying 20% of that going uh, to this guy. Um, but if you could get five, five to seven, like, yeah, yeah. And there's no such thing as a bad one year contract, you know, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. And this is what I like when you talk about the Cardinals getting creative, the Cardinals putting themselves out there a little bit. This is what I this is what I mean when I'm saying that. Let's go throw a maybe it's six, maybe it's 10. Let's go throw a small amount of money, a relatively small amount of money at a guy who historically has been good. There are injury issues but we know he's not going to walk people and there is a upside mm-hmm. chance because of his game, his control and movement. This, he's never been an overpowering guy. I think that there's a chance that he comes in and really, you know, twirls a, a, a really great year. Um, but yeah, you got to put, you got to put your money there to, to place yeah. that bet and to, to take that risk. I, I think I'd lean Maeda over Ryu, but um, yeah, like it, it the, all well, of my, is going to cost the, more. And, yeah, but I am also more I, I feel better about the likelihood of Maeda's um, ability to contribute than Ryu. So it's like a little bit less risk. Um, and all of these all matter in the context of the broader picture. You know, it, it, it if Maeda is your shot in the dark, lowest dollar pitcher that we acquire in this offseason, I'm feeling great. That I mean, what an upside play! Like you said, right. you know, super creative. If it's Ryu, Ryu, um, Ryu, yes, Hyun Jin Ryu, Ryu, Ryu. Oh, crap. Ryu? Damn it. I'll look it up. Keep keep making you your great saying, point. Yeah, thank you. Um, if they're the lowest, if they're the 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 last ad, I'm feeling great. If they are. <laughs> If they're brought in as our number two, <laughs> now we're we're back in problems. Bill. Yeah, no, fully. We're this, back this in is, margarita hell with uh, Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> no, this is this is your fourth, fifth pitcher. Yeah, that's that's the way I'm looking at this. Again, somebody just bring in and raise the bar. His name is pronounced uh, Hee Yun Jin Ryu. Ryu. Okay, 
Uh, I feel like that's what I was saying. And then we just got ourselves into a stupid loop of idiots. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, His nickname, according to baseball reference, is Monster. Hmm. So that doesn't make you want him. I don't know what would. Um, I'm sold. All right. Um, And then uh, I don't know how much we want to address this. I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but the Alec Manoa rumors are swirling around. Uh, There's also been chatter about the Blue Jays being interested in Dylan Carlson. Um, This trade scene, it, it makes so little sense to me that I just don't think it's going to happen. It would be insane, I think, for the Blue Jays to give up on Alec Manoa. The only way that this trade is even a faint possibility of coming true is if that relationship on a personal level is so completely destroyed that they cannot be in the same room together, you know, uh, uh, as far as a baseball team and player are considered. Yeah, or if there's something that we just don't know underlying that, like the Blue Jays know why this has happened and they feel very confident that he's done and they're trying to snag whatever value they can out of him. Um, But yeah, I mean, he he went into 2023 as a consensus Cy Young candidate. Yeah, I think you picked him as your I did. uh, I did. Yeah. And it was it was not that was considered a very like down the line pick, you know, because he had an incredible 2022. He's young. He was on the track record of, you know, future Cy Young type player. And then obviously 2023 was just an utter collapse, the likes of which we've almost never seen from a player of his caliber. It is Uh, wild. And so from your point of like, are you saying that like this seems insane because if it were offered the Cardinals, it's a like snap call, like immediately I would trade Dylan Carlson for Alec Manoa right now. Or yes. are you saying like, so yes, you would do that in a heartbeat. I, I think you would have to just because of the pot- potential, like this player put up six wins above replacement last or in 2022. This guy was expected to be, a Cy Young contender, like you just said, he was a first round pick. He has the stuff. He has the size. Um, And I'm going to lean on the two previous years and his dominant minor league performance over what we saw in 2023, because clearly something is going wrong. And I just think that you can get that back now. Even if he needs Tommy John surgery, even if he has a, a shoulder issue, I still think it would be worth it. You know, you you let him be injured for a year and come back after that. But like his, he, it, it would be, I would be surprised to learn that he hit his absolute ceiling at the age of 24. And even if he has, I still think it's worth it to take the risk because what he did, um, like that, that is on his baseball card. That has been done. He has proved it. Yeah. Well, even half of his 2022 season would make him one of the best pitchers on a, on the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, yeah. So, um, but but obviously his collapse was it, it it wasn't just a type of collapse where it's like oh no he's down to a two WAR player three WAR player like what what's happened why is he middle now instead of like MVP Cy Young level but it's like no he was negative WAR in in 2023 and the games were catastrophes, you know? So it's like, it's a complete meltdown. Um, so it's not just like bringing a guy back from, uh, from injury. 
that said, you could also argue it's easier to come. It's more likely to return to form than somebody who's dealing with like a, a clear, obvious injury. Because if it is something with his, um, you know, the mental side of the game, yips or otherwise, like that might be fixable more readily than a torn shoulder. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, um, I would be surprised if the Blue Jays also give up on him, although that relationship might be torn. That, I'd also be surprised if they're willing to give him up for like, a you know, a guy like Dill Carl. Um, but there's a fair amount of people who just like it's just don't want to do that trade because we don't want Alec Manoa on the Cardinals because it he was so bad last year, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm on team. If that is available, you'd be stupid not to do it. Um, yeah. And we'll see. Um, and, seems and like the maybe- right trade, like for the Cardinals too, because we have all this depth in the outfield, but none of them particularly stand out as like high market, uh, trade candidates. Right. So if you've got someone who's willing to like take Dylan Carlson and give you something with the upside of an Alec Manoa, it does kind of seem like you got to do it. Blue Jays need a center fielder. Obviously, Dill Carl's a, a switch hitter and a above average uh, defensive player. They're going to lose Kiermaier, or they have lost Kiermaier. Um, I, th- I think it's a no brainer. I, w- I would love to see it. And uh, yeah, like just looking quickly at the numbers in 2022, he had a 6.5 walk percentage um, uh, uh, based on balls percentage. In 2023, it was over 14%. Like, yeah. I just. Total I just collapse. don't, I just don't believe it. I, 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 I yeah. believe it. Obviously it happened. It was a terrible year up and down. Uh-huh. Everything went wrong. I just don't believe he's cooked. Also, yeah. I love a big beefy boy. Of course, there's plenty of space for a big beefy boy on this he's, team. He's six, six That's my guy right there. <laughs> Someone you can really see yourself in, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Somebody that makes me feel small just is, is uh-huh. good for my, my mental health. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've convinced me. You yeah, I I was not I, I was feeling very torn about it, but now you bring in the beef side of it. And, Think about um, it. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Uh so we'll see. Um I think anything else like Cardinal specific you want to talk about? Nah, dog. All right. Well, we've got uh, more league wide stuff to talk about. Um, but before we do, we want to remind our listeners that this show is listener supported. So thank you to everyone who has uh, supported us thus far. If you want to uh, really show your support for the show and the time and effort that goes into it, consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. You can join patrons like our newest patron, Richard G who joined. And we are, uh want to say thank you to, to them for joining the, joining the patron. They get access Thanks, Richard. to, uh, they get access. They get access to our private Discord server. We call it the Bird Scored. Having a good time Retweet. in there. It's a great. It's a great place to connect with other fans and get out of the noise of the convoluted social media space that we live in now, and just talk with other people that you know are chill and want to talk about Cardinals or whatever. The conversation gets pretty wide ranging in there. We're talking about KDHX um, this morning. Yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, again, patreon.com slash talking about birds and, uh, patrons of the Adam Wainwright level and above new feature, get one of our new shirts that we've released. 
Wow. So, uh, and if you are a patron at that level now, I'll be reaching out to you if I haven't already uh, to 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 line this up. Uh, but we've got some really cool shirts now. Um, they some of them are talking about birds specific. Some of them are just broad baseball related things that we think you will actually enjoy wearing. Um, these are not big branded. Well, except for the one that says really big on it. I enjoy talking about birds it's because uh, our faces are not on these shirts. Yeah, that's, these are not huge yeah. branded things. We they're they're nice shirts with stuff that we think you'll like uh, wearing on them. Uh, those can be found on our website, talkingaboutbirds.com. And if none of this sounds appealing to you, but you still want to support us uh, in any way that you can, um, you can leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, which really does help us and helps grow the show. So thank you for everyone who's done that and is considering it. Uh, Benny boy, where else can people find us online? Yeah. Find us on Twitter at talk about birds. We're on Instagram at talking about birds. Uh, the show is on Spotify. You can listen, rate, and review on Spotify if you prefer that. We have TikTok. Follow us on TikTok. Share us on TikTok. We have TikTok. Show, show your friends our TikToks. Um, and you can email us any thoughts, questions, concerns, uh, criticisms of our t-shirt design to talkingaboutbirds at gmail.com. And again, like Nate said, you can find all of that, t-shirts, Patreon, all that bullshit episodes at talkingaboutbirds.com. Talking about birds.com. All right. So now we don't even have real baseball to talk about anymore. We've at least been able to hold the playoffs for a little while, but now we're just going straight into off season content. What sort of news is circulating around the league? Um, Ben, why don't you, uh, why don't you fill us in? Yeah, it's been happening. We'll start on a bit of a downer. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. most people have seen that P- uh, Peter Seidler, owner of the Padres, has passed away, um, from my point of view, very suddenly uh, at the young age of 63. We like to trash owners a lot on this show, and I think yes. for good reason. Um, but I think that you can uh, I feel confident in saying that this is probably one of the better owners in baseball that we lost. This is a guy who for the past uh what almost decade has really been putting his money where his mouth is as far as spinning on the team, bringing in talent, I think giving the people of San Diego what they want and trying to win. Um, and now, you know, sadly, uh, we learned recently that he has been fighting a sickness that uh, his family is keeping private at this point in time uh, uh, for quite a while. Um, but I, I think, uh, you know, he was one of the good ones. He was one of the owners um, making all the other owners clutch their their purses Uh during the last handful of off seasons, mm-hmm. he was one of the owners that Dick Monfort, the uh, horrible, uh, foolish owner of the Rockies was trying to make rules to limit, uh, his spending and, and the way that he was, uh, handling his players. So I, I think it's a bad day for the sport and, uh, you know, shout out to all the, all the Padres fans that might be listening to this for some reason, but, uh, <laughs> just, just sad. And, uh, it's really just too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we're, we're very eat the rich on this podcast, but that it is, uh, you know, there are still, um, good baseball people, uh, throughout that level. And, um, he certainly seemed like one of them. So he, he did R. what I. you P. want your owner to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the everyone seemed to love him. The fans yeah. seemed to love him. The management group seemed to love him. So you Darv, if you, uh, you Darvish came out with this really heartfelt statement talking about how much, um, he cared about Peter Seidler and, and their relationship and everything like that. Now, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. Anyways, it's uh, all well, cool. Like someone, they did a, a, a mural of him in San Diego yeah. somewhere that was like really cool. And yeah, it, it sucks. Um, it does. yeah, very, very young, especially for someone that wealthy. That's what blew my, yeah, we don't need to get yeah. into it, but that also blew my mind. Um, yeah. The uh, we'll move on uh, to more baseball news. Astros have promoted Joe Espada to manager. Um, that should be announced. If it's not already announced, it will be announced here shortly. Uh, he's been the bench coach uh, for the Astros for a while. Obviously, um, with Dusty uh, uh, retiring and going and hanging out with his hunting dogs, um, which he talked about in several interviews. Yes, uh, Joe Espada seems like a no-brainer. He is, uh, you know, the guy that's worked with Jeremy Pena and Alex Bregman and. Uh, Jose Altuve for the past, I think it's almost 10 years or so, but uh, good for him. It's nice to have a little diversity in the uh, managing group as mm-hmm. far as uh, uh, MLB is concerned. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like him because he's an Astro, but yeah, yeah, good for you, Joe. Yep. Yeah. Not a lot to say about it. Don't really know much about the bench coach for the yeah. Astros, but yeah, good for him. Yeah. Uh, Ron Washington has uh, been hired to manage the angels at 70 is he 71 or 72 71. 71 Ronald years old Lewis Washington keeping it rolling um, keeping it rolling um what do you think about this one I I love Ron Washington as a character in baseball so I'm like happy that he's still around yeah um I don't I'm still I'm not quite uh, a believer that he's still a very good <laughs> manager, um, but it fits right into the running theory of the angels, which is that the angels prioritize celebrity. Right. Um, and so, you know, bringing in Ron Washington. Like, w- I don't know what the goal is uh, with with this, you know, the, the angels are a deeply a team in deep rebuild. Yeah. So are they hiring Ron Washington to like run this for He's so old. Like how long are they, you know, how long are they playing? Like to me that a Ron Washington hire, whether this is right or wrong, you know, big picture, typically I would think of is what, what they did with Dusty Baker. You're bringing him in to sort of shepherd a, a a relatively complete team through a a regular season and into the playoffs, right? Someone who's been there for a long time and is comfortable with the rhythms and the, and the like, what it takes to to get through a full season and get it deep into the playoffs. That's what you're hiring a guy like that for. Yeah. Um, but yeah. instead it's like going to be Mike Trout maybe and Anthony Rendon and a bunch of scrubs, you know, like, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, other, it, it, it fits right into the theory that the angels prioritize celebrity above all. Um, I, and I, so that's where I'm at. There's also an aspect that I think they're trying to, they're trying to, um, soak up some of that Braves clubhouse culture that gets talked about all the time. Mm. I want to talk about two other managers and then I want to kind of make a point about or something I've been thinking about with the managers in baseball since Craig console has kind of like split my brain in half and I I don't know what to do, but really quick, uh, Brandon Hyde wins uh, manager of the year in the AL skip Schumacher uh, Cardinals legend, second baseman wins uh, NL manager of the year. Good for him. Um, and the Brewers are ex- expected to name uh, their bench coach, Pat Murphy, as manager. Um, so I've been thinking about this and, and I'm curious, like, I think that you're right. I think there's a celebrity aspect to what you're talking about with Ron Washington. I also wonder if 
there is a industry-wide shift that is happening right now. And maybe it's happening really, really quickly. Um, post Craig Council, post uh, you know Bruce Bochy winning another championship. Um, the guy that won the World Series before him, Dusty Baker, as old as dirt. Um, and mm-hmm. the guy that won before him, Brian Snicker, also as old as dirt. And they've all been in baseball for longer than you and I have been alive. Um, and, you know, Craig, Craig Consul being highly valued, being paid as much as, uh, you know, half the Rockies roster, half of right. uh, the A's roster. You know, a lot of teams have a lot of players who are less expensive than Craig Consul. And I'm wondering if... If if this is just a thing that's happening and, and I'm connecting, there's I you know my brain's looking for a pattern, trying to connect dots that aren't actually there. But I'm also thinking about the idea that our buddy, um, uh, uh, Oliver Marmol, Oliver Marmol, yes. kind of embarrassed the Cardinals a handful of times this year, right? Right, like on a national stage, the way that he handled yes. some situations, the way that he got fiery. Um, he, the, he did not seem like he was this stoic captain of the ship making the hard decisions in the trenches. He seemed a little emotional and a bratty's not the right word, but a little, I think a little emotional yeah, near that. Yeah. And I'm wondering like, so not only uh, there's a guy down in the dugout, the manager pushing the buttons during the game, right? We know that most of that, uh, for the large chunk is handed down from the front office, but this is also like. A, like a like it, you know Nate and I work in a, a corporate uh, environment. It's almost like a CEO position where this is the person right. who is on the talk shows selling the team. This guy uh, meets with the media twice a day before the game and post game. He is your most public face of the organization, and I'm wondering if those things like the clubhouse management and the media relations public face selling of the team is starting to be factored into the managing role more importantly than maybe it was even a couple of years ago, maybe even last year. Um, so anyways, I know I just talked for a while. Yeah. Does that make any sense to you? Well, it does, especially if you, if you really are pulling the, um, the game management element out of their role. And that really is being handed down by, um, the statisticians and whatnot, right? The, the front office, um, or, or even just like the, the pitching coach makes the pitching decisions, right? Hitting coach makes the hitting decisions. And the, you know, the head coach there is, is just bringing it all together. Um, and yeah, I mean, in a, in an, an increasingly somehow still increasingly like connected world and, and with the virality of, um, content, like you really want your, your, the face of your organization only being only doing like positive things, right? right. You don't want those like the, the, the negative viral hits on your team. Um, so yeah, I mean, it would make sense to me. Um, and, and if the solution to that is to go and get these dudes who've been doing it for 60 years, uh, you know, I, that, that makes sense. That said, like, we were laughing at some bullshit. Dusty Baker said like last week, you know, so yes. it's not like these guys are, uh, not also out there saying dumb shit all the time too, but I guess it's different if it's Dusty Baker than like your 37 year old Ali Marmol. And I think that like Dusty Baker is a kind of a unicorn, right? He's kind of hard right. to compare to anyone like, yeah, you know, all the stories and who he's for everything, you know, he's, he's just got all the credibility in the world. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I'm more like, is Buck Showalter, is he going to be a sought after, you know, maybe after he has, you know, next year, uh, are the Cardinals yeah. going to be, and I'm just, like, like I said, I'm just curious as this position changes, you're seeing a team, a smart team that I think has a smart front office in the Cubs go and put serious money in there and actually raise the floor of manager salary and, and put my more priority on this. Like, obviously we all think Craig Council is a good, uh, good manager. Um, is he worth that much money in wins? I don't know. Is he worth that much money in a public facing environment and a, as far as selling the team, bringing free agents, probably he's probably worth more than yeah. that. Um, right. even if it's just perception. So I don't know. I, I mostly just wanted to kind of talk that out with you and, and yeah, see if yeah, I was you think of the anything. role is one half game, game day manager and one half, uh, press correspondent you know it, it is a very different role and in a lot of ways that is what they've always been but if teams are starting to care more about the perception of their team through the lens of the media then then yeah you can see the value of that increasing i think for a long time teams just didn't give a shit too it'd be like right. you know yeah our manager gets mad and whatever like that's just who he is or it's like I don't know, for like 40 years, the Yankees just had batshit insane people out there saying stuff that was, you know, Billy Martin and all those guys, like all yeah. the time, you know, and it was just like part of the shtick, you know? So if teams are putting a higher priority on that perception, then yeah, I would see that going up. Yeah. You know, we don't really know right yet. Like, I am, I assume Mazalek was pretty unhappy with Marmol, you know, like, <laughs> Uh, throwing O'Neill under the bus and, you know, saying like Contreras is going to play in the outfield and then Mosaic had to come out the next day and be like, no, he's not. You know, I yeah. assume Mosaic wasn't too happy with that, but who knows, right? Yeah. Like the O'Neill thing might have been a plan between the two of them. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, some, yeah. Anyway, some, something I wanted to throw out there and we'll, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. And yeah. uh, I think you're probably right though. It, I mean, yeah media perception is seemingly only getting more and more important, especially when you have instant access to everything. Now, like if your team is being presented as incompetent and um, chaotic, like that is going to be a, a put off to some average fans. Right? And I think even like ownership down, if you're Bill DeWitt, and uh, your your uh, uh, some golf buddy or uh, one of your uh, uh, franchise uh, 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 managers at uh, Arby's one sends of your indentured you, servants <laughs> tweets you a video of Ali Marmol getting visibly frustrated. You're probably ugh, I don't want like, this. This yeah. this is not the cardinal way. This is not how we're supposed to look. Well, the I, Cardinals in particular, even on top of all of this, right, right with all of our, you know, <laughs> and the. Yeah. I don't even know what word I'm looking for. The self conservatism. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I guess we'll see, like maybe we'll see a much more conservative Ali Marmol this year. Maybe that feedback will have been delivered. Um, yeah. well, I don't know, but, uh, something to think about. Yeah. Um, all right. Last thing I wanted to talk about, um, is Evan Drellick, uh, wrote a fantastic article in the athletic, um, that if you have not read, I recommend yeah, everybody go good. check it out. Evan Drellick is great. Um, and it was discussing the A's impending move to Vegas 
Um, and he was kind of setting up the story pre, uh, prior to the owners meetings happening. Um, and, and I'll say there's a couple of quotes uh, from this article that I'd like to read, um, but I will say it is uh, generally bad news um, for <laughs> ba- baseball yeah. fans, uh, for Oakland A's fans, um, and maybe even for Las Vegas people. It's, it's the whole thing is being is coming out very strange. But if if you'll let me, I, I want to read a couple of quotes. Um, and Evan uh, from Evan's I will article. Thank you. Uh, one person briefed on the report, and this is referencing a report that was handed over to owners about the business prospect uh, prospects of moving to Vegas. Uh, described the ace potential for success in Las Vegas as, quote, iffy, but added there was no perceived better alternative. And I would say, well, what about staying in Oakland, the place where you've been for yeah. my entire life plus? Um, and then uh, goes on to say that the city, the city's media market, this is referencing Las Vegas, the city's media market would be the smallest of any major league team, minimizing the potential TV revenue available. Um, so essentially what that is saying is that this team is going to be drawing from a smaller media market than the Milwaukee Brewers. And if um, tourists don't show up in a big way for this Las Vegas team, that they're going to be running, you know, they're going to be sporting a salary of like 20 million. They're, they're, their yeah. resources are going to be slim. Um, and let's, you know, not forget who the owner of this team is, John Fisher. I don't think uh, I, I think everybody would jump off of a bridge if he came to Vegas and signed, you know, the best three free agents and and really brought excitement to uh, Las Vegas. Um, and then uh, another uh, person on background background was quoted saying, uh, no one knows what the payroll can, they can sustain. It all depends on where it goes. And again, that's referencing the potential for tourism to fill up that stadium. Yeah. And my kind of two, well, I want to hear your thoughts. My kind of two cents on this is Nate, like, okay, if, if I'm an Oakland Raiders fan or if I'm an NFL fan, it makes sense to fly out for the weekend, go see mm-hmm. my Seahawks play the Raiders or whatever, get out of Vegas, come back home. And, and that's all hunky dory. Who is going to go watch the Las Vegas A's against the Kansas city Royals on a Tuesday night in Vegas, uh, in the summer? Like, yeah. Or a Tuesday at one when it's going to be hot as hell, you know? Um, so they probably have to do a, a dome of some sort. Right. right? And yeah, um, a couple of things in there that stand out to me. One, uh, no other viable alternatives is interesting to me because we know that there are multiple markets vying for an MLB team right now. So is it saying that all of those markets, there's already a like a on the ground effort being made to do an expansion team. And so they don't want another team, I guess is, is I, I read what they're that. Saying. I read that is we want to get the hell out of Oakland, uh, for X reason, whatever it might be. And I want the, uh, franchise, uh, the 1.5 billion or whatever franchise cost that it's going to take to, you know, start a, a new team in, in Nashville or Salt Lake or Montreal. I want my cake and I want to eat it too. Right. But no one is biting on that because, um, you know, we've learned over the last couple decades that these massive subsidies for these companies in it in, or for these stadiums in these cities is bad for the city. Right. Um, and you know, it's getting better, but it's still, 
guys like Fisher are still looking for every little dollar they can squeeze out of it. So um, it's just all interesting to me for them to say there's no viable alternatives. Well, buddy, it doesn't sound like this is viable either. If you're already concerned about draw and it's not even there, like how is it going up from here? You know what I mean? Like maybe if you were moving a successful team with a great roster, but you destroyed the team so that you could, you know, they followed the Rams playbook to a T burn the team down so they can pretend like they have bad fan support. So then they can justify their move, even though it like it it, it couldn't be more obvious what they were doing. So they're going to bring their shitty team to a city that doesn't want them for the most part. And it's not a city that's built to sustain baseball. Like he said, football makes sense. And there's like the sports betting culture around football is massive. So having a betting, like a a betting centric league in the betting central uh, city of the world, like there, it makes sense. Right. But yeah, I, I just can't imagine someone going to watch a baseball game in Vegas. Like, Maybe you and I would like, yeah, well, we want to go see the new stadium and we'll, you know, Vegas is whatever. We'll tie it around that. We'll go to a game. But that's like one game out of 80, you know, 82 a year, 81 a year in in your home park. Like it's just doesn't it's never made any sense. Everyone was resident or uh, hesitant to move a football team there because of these concerns. Well, and they were able to justify it, but it's only eight games and they were all concerned about it. Baseball is a regional sport. The Cardinals are successful because they pull from a massive region of a a shockingly large diehard group that travels a long way to go see them. There aren't very many people in Vegas. They don't have the hunger for baseball. People might travel on the weekends. You know, if you if you have an L.A. series, if you have the the Dodgers in Vegas against the A's. That that'll probably be a good turnout because that's an easy drive for those folks. But that's going to be a handful of series and weekends a year, and it's just it's getting harder and harder. By the own by the report that the owners were handed in this uh, article by Evan Drellick, it says that interest is low, and Vegas <laughs> is basically like, yeah, you guys can come here. Like we're Vegas, come on down. Add but it there's to the pile. plenty of there's a lot of on the ground resistance to this team as well, because they're trying to do um, government subsidies, you know, so there's probably as much resistance as there is support. Yeah. In, in the article, they also reference there's a group that has been formed since this has been uh, catch, uh picking up steam. Uh, it's uh, a sc- uh, schools over sports or yeah. uh, so- something like that, but it's a group of uh, teachers and educators and uh, administrators fighting for, well, why don't we make Las Vegas schools better, Nevada schools better before we give, uh, you know, however many hundreds of million dollars to a billionaire um, who is really just trying to screw over two cities at the same time. Right. And I I I want to go back loaded up on think Vegas, think pretty loaded up on entertainment options right now. I think you're okay. And I also think like, um, John Fisher refusing to make Oakland work is a John Fisher problem. If right. you have a baseball stadium that isn't doesn't literally have shit coming out of the <laughs> pipes so that you're wading through mm. it to go change uh, into your locker room, 
Um, if you have a stadium, that's a good place to be. If you make like brand yourself as the Oakland team, since all the other teams have left, there's a ton of people in that area. There's a ton of money in that area. Have some vision, make yourself a desirable place to be. Um, yeah, be the counter. Like the A's have a perfect opportunity to be like this counterculture team on the West coast. Right. Um, it's kind of like what the, the, uh, White Sox do in Chicago, you know, you're kind of like, we're not the Giants. We're not uh, the Dodgers. We're these we're the West Coast, like, you know, cool team. Right. There's a lot of on the ground support for, yeah. for the athletics. Their their jerseys look fantastic. Yeah. Um, and they have a great yeah, history. Just, yeah. Ricky it, um, Henderson, baby. Get him yeah. back. Yeah. Conseco, <laughs> McGuire. Uh, Zito, uh, Eric Chavez, let's go bring them all back. Um, Josh, so anyways, <laughs> yeah, great guy. Um, anyways, <laughs> we, we can stop blabbering about that, but I thought it was important. Yeah. And, uh, again, if I didn't hit this just to put a button on it, um, it, it seems to be, it's going to be unanimously, unanimously approved. Um, but again, I think we probably won't talk about this again, um, until there are shovels in the ground. Cause I still, there's still part of me that's the situation is just such a, a cluster and is really making MLB look bad. Um, you know, we'll see. Yeah. No, it's going to happen. The almighty dollar, those gold, those gold coins bouncing around in uh, Vegas, that, that big orb, everyone's going after the orb. It's the sphere. What's you that? idiot. This <laughs> it's an orb. <laughs> Orbs are so video hot games. right now. I want to play video. Everyone games loves an orb. Yeah, that would be tight. Um, all right, that's it. We're going to wrap up the episode with a game. I got a good one for you this week, Ben. You're talking about beefy boys. Uh, I've got a beefy boy centric game for you this week. We're playing another edition of who charted. Who charted? All right. So, um, there was a post on the baseball subreddit. I don't, if you've seen this, this was a little bit ago. So hopefully you've at least forgotten some of the details of it um, by user, the Zygon P and the headline. <laughs> Thanks, is, Zygon. Yeah. The, I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, the, the, the headline of the post is which MLB team weighs the most. <laughs> All right. So, so what they've done is they took the weight of every player who played for a, a team in 2023 and averaged okay. it out. So All right. every team that played in 2023 uh, or every player on the team for yes. 2023, if they had like a single at bat or a single inning pitch, they, they ended up in this and then it was averaged out. So I have the average okay. weight of every team. All right. And I have it in a stack rank from heaviest to, to, uh, to least heavy. Okay. Um, and so, I uh, thought it fit the theme of this game. If you're trying to pick the top five heaviest teams okay. in baseball, um, I've got every team. They're not re- like they're in there. It's a bar chart. So I can tell you generally where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't have like it listed as like 16, 17, you know, um, but yeah. So Ben, okay. Who are the heaviest teams in the MLB? I, 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 I think I feel pretty good. About my first pick, I want to say, um, because there's a lot of big ass boys on this team, I got to go with the New York Yankees. Um, obviously, you got Aaron Judge, uh, Garrett Cole's a big guy, D 
DJ LeMay, he was a good, a big guy. Just a lot of big guys on that roster. So I'll say New York Yankees number one. Yankees are actually like kind of right around the middle. Oh man. Um, It is interesting. Like, because everything always averages out, you know, like the top and the bottom is or like the top, the middle and the middle part of the bottom. It, it's not that far different from each other. All right. So like the difference between the Yankees um, and the top is not incredible, but the average weight of a New York Yankee in 2023 was 209 pounds and six, 209.67 pounds. Wow. Okay. So there must All be right. some small guys. It was a good guess though. Yeah, I'm just thinking like John Carlo, Aaron yeah. Judge, that alone. Those are those are big men. Um, okay. Let's uh I'm gonna pick on the two first basemen for the New York Mets then. Uh I think Vogelbach and Pete Alonso are gonna really skew the overall numbers um for the Mets. So I'll guess the New York Mets um for my next team. Again, you're getting closer. The Damn Mets it. were right around the eighth, um, at two hundred and eleven pounds damn okay okay um wow i know the rockies they're a pretty big group of guys um let's see detroit not oh minnesota's kind of big um well you know miami traded for a couple of really beefy boys and i assume that those traded for players will count um but they're kind of small outside of jake Berger and josh bell those are two 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 biggins though. Don't get that twisted. Um Boston. Rafael Devers is a pretty big boy. I don't know why the twins are. No, the twins aren't that big. Um, this is tough. I'm thinking about it a lot tough. of male bodies right now. <laughs> um Houston's got some some lugs on it. Between uh Jordan Alvarez and Jose Abreu. Although they got Jose Altuve cancels that out doesn't he um <laughs> well you know we were talking about how big alec manoa is earlier um they have some other big guys milwaukee's got big guys this is tough okay i'm gonna go uh led by rowdy Telez. i'm gonna go with the milwaukee brewers how about that there you go i this was the if i was thinking through this game this is the only team that i thought like i would maybe really get pretty quickly yeah and you act they are number one number the one heaviest okay. team in 2023 was the milwaukee brewers an average weight of 215 almost 216 pounds oh, wow i i am just slightly lighter than the average milwaukee brewer i feel good <laughs> about that um okay I I guess I'm going to have to go Toronto. Um I feel like there there's some big boys on that team. Um Toronto is right around where the Yankees were as well. Okay. 209. All right. Is that three strikes? That Four is st- three strikes. So, as I say, do you want to make one more guess? Um I know uh, this has been hard or I can give it to you. Yeah, this has been hard. I, I just because there are so many large men on the Rockies and I see them so frequently, I'm going to say the Rockies uh, are in the top five as well. And that's that'll be my last guess of this game. Yeah. This game's hard. The Rockies are right outside of the top five, right there Damn with it. the Mets, so almost tied with the Mets. So you're in the top 10, you know, um, but here they are in order. Obviously, the I did Milwaukee- not see this post on on Reddit. Yeah, obviously. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, first overall. Then the Washington Nationals. Huh. Okay. After that, the Baltimore Orioles would not have guessed. I think of them as all being young and and wiry yeah. and 
fit. Well, the thing is, it all like so we're talking 215 is basically the average, right? So that's just like super like buff too. You can be like 5'10 and be my 215 215. and their 215 very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get it. it. Yeah, it's you know, you. Albert Pujols, Donald Trump, all <laughs> sitting in, you know, 215 can look different sure. on different people. Thanks, pal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, was a compliment. Yeah. You always want your name in the same list as Donald Trump. You uh, said Albert right. Pujols. Yeah, that's true. Um, Kansas City after the Orioles. Okay. Yeah. Salvador, is, he's a big boy. Yeah. And then uh, the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Oh. Fifth overall. Yeah, I wouldn't right have guessed the Guardians. The yeah. yeah, when I because I'm thinking Tristan McKenzie. I'm just I I'm I'm. It's hard to picture an entire roster, but then Tristan yeah. McKenzie comes in my head, and I was like, "There's no way that kid weighs as much as my leg." Yeah, I and I imagine too. Like we're not, we don't really can't think of most of these bullpens and stuff like that right. too. And like sometimes these teams will have these massive bullpens that. Like, you know, I'm I'm um, actually surprised the Phillies weren't top five now that I'm thinking about that. But yeah, I okay. thought the Phillies would be, too, with uh, the aforementioned Schwarber. But he they're actually in the bottom, uh, like the bottom six. Huh. So okay. if you're interested on the other side, um, the lowest by a lot with an average of two oh three was the Chicago Cubs. Huh. Now, if you go deeper into the post, it looks like Christopher Morrell was still listed as like one fifty or something on there. Oh. Uh so like that's not you know, accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that probably impacted it. But still, like one guy is not bringing down the whole average that much. So they are a, a slighter team uh, after that's the Giants, then the Rays, then the Mariners and then the Athletics. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a tough one, Nate. Thanks for uh, yeah. making me look like a jackass. <laughs> well, you just need to track their weights more. It's I obvious. I will. That, that'll be my goal in 2024. Yeah. Keep a better eye on those weights. So, yes, sir. This, this is the type of off-season content we we intend to bring to you all um, as we get deeper into uh, into the off-season. So thanks, everyone, for being here. As always, um, we appreciate your time and uh, willingness to listen to us this far into the episode. <laughs> uh, tell your friends. Word of mouth is still the best way for a podcast to grow. And of course, talkingaboutbirds.com for all of the things that we mentioned before. And uh, we're w- hopefully next week we'll get some real movements either from the Cardinals or at least some dominoes yep. starting to fall um, across the league. We'll see. Um, yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah. a reminder, you know, as far as uh, helping us uh, spread the show, uh, we're, we're doing every week. Um, yep. So show every Thursday uh, and we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back next week, as Ben said. And until then, go eat at Arby's. TTYL, thank you. Bye. Here we go. All right, Nate, don't fuck it up. I think I got a good one this week. Hold on. Oh, oh God.
He's pleased with himself. 